Section 16 of Other People's Lives. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Other People's Lives by Rosa Nouchette Carey. Book 6. The Tin Shanty. Chapter 2. An Ugly Heroine. When Jack returned from the Tin Shanty, he found his mother in one of her difficult moods. Her own center of gravity being disturbed, she was looking out on every side for a possible or impossible cataclysm. Humanity is sadly puerile at times. A man with dyspepsia regards his perfectly healthy comrade with feelings that border on offense. Such splendid and lavish well-being seems almost immoral to him. Under some aspects of affliction, it is astonishing that the grass continues green, and yet if nature pulled down her sable curtain every time some son of Adam yielded up his breath, the world would be veiled in utter darkness more terrible than the Egyptians, one of old. But nature is a truer comforter, and never puts off her girdle of hope. Tears flow, hearts break, worn-out bodies lie in their graves, yet flowers bloom, and trees put forth their tender leafage spring after spring, and the blue arc of heaven is as clear and cloudless over our heads, and still the blessed sun shines with equal benediction on the evil and the good. When Jack entered his mother's dressing-room with a radiant face, brimful of his afternoon's adventures, Mrs. Compton received him rather coldly. Penelope had been spending the day at Brentwood, and she was tired of her loneliness. As Jack went on with his story, her countenance expressed decided disapprobation. He had done the very thing she had dreaded, and had made friends with the newcomers. But what was the use of her saying anything? Jack was his own master, and she had little or no influence with him. His happiness, his pursuits were always apart from her, and his friends were not congenial to her. She cut him short presently by telling him that the dressing-bell had rung, and he marched off in rather a huff, and it was an uncomfortable evening. Jack, who resented his mother's displeased silence, made no special effort to propitiate her, and went off early to smoke his pipe at the lodge. But the next day the horizon cleared unexpectedly. A sad wakeful night had shown the widow her mistake, and with one of her generous impulses she told Jack that she was ready to call with him at the Tim Shanty whenever he liked. "'I will not promise to like your friends,' she finished more severely, "'but at least I will do my duty to my neighbors.' But though Jack availed himself of his mother's magnanimity, it may be doubted if he enjoyed his second visit. As he opened the little gate he was dismayed to see Miss Ingram shelling peas in the porch. A huge yellow basin stood beside her, and she wore a coarse bib apron over her serge dress. Her red tam-o'-shanter was somewhat askew, and Jack, looking through his mother's spectacles, thought she was even plainer than ever. He did not in the least understand why his mother grew so suddenly and aggressively cheerful. Her extreme civility struck him as almost artificial. In reality she was secretly rejoicing over Miss Ingram's ugliness. That tall, gawky young woman would never attract Jack. Happily unconscious of this unfavorable opinion, Miss Ingram received them with easy cordiality, and taking off her apron, led the way into her parlor. The little room was so low and so full of furniture that Jack felt almost stifled, and he was thankful when Miss Ingram begged him to find her brother, as she was anxious to introduce him to Mrs. Compton. She just ordered Jack off as though he were her lackey observed madame afterwards to the little sister i never saw a girl of her age with such cool assurance she talked to me as though she were my equal in age 
Really, the independence of the young generation is one of the sad features of the age. But the little sister only smiled in answer. When Madame was on her high horse, she never argued with her. When Mr. Ingram made his appearance, things were rather better. The infant, Elias Chatty, brought in the tea-tray, but to Jack's chagrin his mother took her leave almost immediately, and he was forced to accompany her. Mr. Ingram, talking garrulously, accompanied them down the hill, but even to his dense masculine perception the visit had not been a success. I wonder what Gwen thinks of that piece of magnificence in a French bonnet, he said to himself cynically as he climbed up the hill. He found his sister shelling peas in the porch again, but there was something disconsolate in her attitude, and as she looked up at him he was surprised to see there were actually tears in her eyes. Hello, what is up, Gwen? he said, sitting down beside her, but though she tried to laugh it off, a big tear fell among the empty pods. Moritz took her by the shoulder and obliged her to face him. Now, young woman, he said sternly, no nonsense, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Then Gwendolen gave another queer, unsteady little laugh. Oh, Moritz, I did not mean to be silly, and of course I'm not really crying. Oh, of course not, sarcastically, as splash number two occurred. I must be an idealist, too, or I should not be so foolish, she went on. But Moritz, catching her breath, I cannot help it. It has been like that all my life. When I see a beautiful face, I get quite sick with envy. From a mere toddling child, I have so longed to be beautiful. Oh, don't you laugh. You are a man, and you do not understand. But do you remember dear mother repeating my baby speech? Oh, mamma, when I am an angel, shall I have my beauty face then? When she said, Why, yes, Gwen, certainly, how I knelt down and prayed God to let me die that minute. Gwendolen spoke in a strangely impassioned voice, and her small greenish-blue eyes shone rather feverishly, but her brother only smiled and patted her as though she were an infant. "'Good child, she always speaks the truth. I guessed what had upset you. So you admired that stately dame, Gwen. Mrs. Compton, oh, yes, she is beautiful, and that dark Spanish style is so uncommon. It was a perfect feast only to look at her. I wonder why her son is so ordinary-looking. He has a nice face, and his eyes are good.' but he is not to be compared to his mother. Not in looks, perhaps. Poor Compton, I fancy he is rather to be pitied. He did not seem at his ease this afternoon, and really, Gwen, you took so little notice of him. You were so absorbed with his mother. I'm sorry, returned Gwendolen, in a subdued voice. Moritz, dear, you are very good not to laugh at me. You know they say everyone has a bee in his bonnet, and I suppose I am crazy on this point, but it is so dreadful to be ugly. There, I've said the word for once in my life, hopelessly, irredeemably ugly. Nonsense, Gwen, and Moritz's eyes were suspiciously moist. He adored his sister, and this womanly confession of weakness appealed to him strongly. You are exaggerating things absurdly. You are no beauty, certainly, but no one could love you and not love your face, too. But here Gwendolen, thoroughly ashamed of her outbreak, jumped up and refused to hear any more. I am sane now, she said, in her odd, abrupt way, and I shall take advantage of this lucid interval to pour out your tea. Stay where you are, Moritz, and the infant and I will cater for you. And the next moment he could hear her high, clear tones pealing through the little house. I care for nobody, no, not I, and nobody cares for me. Poor Gwen, mused Moritz, how small and trivial and girlish it all sounded, that longing for a beauty face. 
but there are elements of tragedy in it too but all that evening his tenderness was almost exasperating to gwen meanwhile the mother and son had walked through the village in silence but at last jack turned restive well mother i should like to know your opinion of the ingrams i am afraid with a touch of impatience in his voice that she is not quite your style then mrs compton gave a low scornful laugh that made him wince my style no indeed and again that tall gawky young woman came perilously near her lips but the words were unuttered then as she saw the vexed expression on his face a kind of motherly look came into her beautiful eyes dear old boy please do not glower so i wish i could please you by praising your new friends but i cannot say with truth that i admire either miss ingram or her brother i disliked his joking manner excessively and then he was so jerky and said such extraordinary things but i dare say he is clever and good-natured as for miss ingram but here mrs compton paused as if she were afraid of committing herself go on mother you need not be afraid of hurting my feelings and jack's tone was so sarcastic that mrs compton glanced at him uneasily well dear it is not the poor girl's fault that she is so plain and of course she has a very nice figure but such self-assurance is hardly good form in a young woman of her age and then the way she ordered you about oh no she is far too free and easy for my taste too downright and american altogether but here jack could bear no more they were at the lodge by this time and with a hasty excuse that did not impose on his mother in the least he turned back to the village and let her go up the drive alone jack felt unaccountably sore and angry for after all the ingrams were merely new acquaintances he had only spoken to them three times the second occasion being a short stroll with him in the fir woods after evening service there was no special reason why he should take up cudgels in their defence his mother had a right to her own opinions and there was no need to quarrel with her because she thought miss ingram's manners too free and easy nevertheless jack felt distinctly aggrieved if there were only one thing on which we could agree he said to himself bitterly but it is no use we shall never think alike on any subject things seem worse since i came back i suppose as people grow older their prejudices grow stronger mother is a splendid hater when she takes a dislike to a person she never seems to change her mind she has set herself dead against the ingrams just because they live in the tin shanty and no amount of argument will convince her that they are gentle people from that day jack never mentioned the tin shanty in his mother's presence if he could help it nevertheless she was perfectly well aware that few days passed without his dropping in for a chat with the artist and his sister when the ingrams called to return mrs compton's visit jack was over at the farm his mother gave him a very concise and carefully worded account of the interview the ingrams have been here jack she said very quietly as he came in looking hot and dusty from tramping the roads please do not let ben bolt jump up on the sofa his paws are dirty they were very sorry to miss you i gave them tea and they stayed quite a long time and were very pleasant and of course i showed them the view from the terrace miss ingram seemed delighted with everything i am very glad returned jack but he spoke without enthusiasm the next minute he changed the subject by giving his mother a message from the vicar what an escape he had had how thankful he was that he had taken it into his head to walk over to the farm he went off to dress for dinner whistling for very lightness of heart but mrs compton sighed uncomfortably as the door closed after him jack was growing strangely silent and reticent she thought 
day by day a barrier seemed slowly rising between them he would not discuss the ingrams with her he had never forgiven her criticism in reality she was growing puzzled about them after all jack was right and they were certainly gentle people there were little tricks of speech in both the brother and sister that showed culture and knowledge of the world and then in spite of her shabby dress for gwendolen's blue serge showed traces of wear and tear and her sailor hat had a frayed blue ribbon round it it was impossible to deny that mrs ingram's figure was beautiful and her movements peculiarly graceful she held herself well and the carriage of her head was really fine with careful dressing she would look almost distinguished mrs compton could not deny that then a speech of mr ingram's had puzzled her he had been praising the room in his free and easy way commenting on its good points with artistic freedom and mrs compton had been secretly gratified then he had turned to his sister i don't think the green drawing-room at brentwood hall is larger than this gwen and it is certainly not so well proportioned oh do you know brentwood hall she had asked eagerly before miss ingram had done more than give an assenting nod i understood that lord royston refused to show it even the brentwood people say is very churlish and inhospitable brentwood is not more charitable than the rest of the world returned mr ingram rather dryly i believe lord royston is a great invalid and that quiet is absolutely necessary for him poor man had been mrs compton's response to this it was such a terrible shock to him losing his only son in that sudden way yes and now they say his grandson is hopelessly ill at eton but here miss ingram reddened and checked herself a little awkwardly as her brother looked at her warningly my sister and i knew some friends of the roystons at least we travelled with them observed mr ingram easily one picks up a host of acquaintances in that way and some years ago we were treated to a private view of the hall yes and we were so struck with the silent pool went on gwendolen following her brother's lead i don't think they even show the grounds now there was some fine tapestry in one of the rooms altogether it is a very interesting place and then they had risen simultaneously but though she had shown them the terrace there had been no further talk on the subject of brentwood i cannot make them out mrs compton had said to herself as she watched them from the terrace they have evidently been accustomed to good society and yet they must be wretchedly poor that dress of miss ingram's was tailor-made and fitted her perfectly but it was quite worn at the seams her brother was far better dressed really is rather pleasant than otherwise but madame with astute policy kept all these doubts and surmises to herself jack went constantly to the tin shanty and before long his acquaintance with the brother and sister ripened into close intimacy for the first time the young squire had found friends who were perfectly congenial to him the bohemian ways the open-air life the free and easy manners which so shocked the dignified mistress of kingsdean were all attractions to jack life is ever so much jollier to me since you have both come to the tin shanty he said quite seriously one evening but gwendolen only crinkled up her eyelids and laughed but jack meant what he said it was delightful to drop in for one of those porch teas on his way from the farm no tea had ever such a flavor for him and yet gwendolen poured it out from an ugly brown teapot by and by he got into the habit of strolling up the valley after dinner moritz who was generally smoky in the porch at that hour would hail him lustily how delightful it was to sit in the cool dusk watching the lights from kildean twinkling across the valley 
while Gwendolen played her mandolin, or sang to them sweet melodious songs, French or Italian or English, as the fancy seized her. Sometimes Moritz would accompany her on the violin, but oftener she sang alone. Her voice was a little high-pitched, but there were wonderful vibrations in it, and at times when the mood was on her, she sang with a passion and power that almost shocked Miss Batesby as she sat in her close little parlor, listening to it. It was too dramatic, too sensational, for the spinster's taste. It made her vaguely uncomfortable, but to Jack it was a revelation and a delight. "'What a glorious voice your sister has,' he had said to Mr. Ingram that first evening. "'It makes me feel quite queer and all overish, don't you know?' But though Moritz laughed at this boyish criticism, he was secretly pleased. "'Gwendolen's voice is not very uncommon,' he returned, emptying his pipe carefully. "'I have met people who rather disliked it than otherwise, but it has been well trained, and she knows her own defects. The odd part is that it is affected by her moods. There are times when she absolutely cannot sing, but now and then, this evening, for example, she seems almost inspired. "'She made me feel uncommonly bad once or twice,' returned Jack, puffing at his pipe. It was not easy for him to put his meaning into words. Those clear, melodious notes had seemed to play on his very heartstrings. They seemed part of the moonlight, the dark fir woods, the faint star gleams. Life is not all sadness and labor and disappointment, those tones seemed to say. There is love and human brotherhood and true hearts everywhere, and God's truth over all. Be comforted, be strong, be at peace for there are angels singing in the clear spaces above. Rest, sad heart, and be still. I want you to sing to me again, Jack had said to her a few nights later, but Gwendolen had only looked at him and shaken her head. Not tonight, she said quietly. I cannot get the steam up. And something in her manner made him say no more, and for a long time he did not venture to ask her again. One evening his mother astonished him by suggesting that he should ask the Ingrams to dinner. "'You are always down at the cottage, Jack,' she said a little plaintively, "'and it must look so strange never to ask them here. "'We could invite the Wentworths and Clara Merrick to meet them.' "'But Jack curtly and decidedly refused. "'No, mother, thank you. I think it would not do. "'The Ingrams know you are not in touch with them, "'and I don't believe they would come if you asked them. "'They hate dinners and conventionality, "'and I know Miss Ingram means to refuse all invitations.' "'Ah, very well,' returned Mrs. Compton, dryly then I need not trouble myself any further. But though she said no more, Jack's speech had galled her terribly. He meant to keep his friends to himself. She was to be left out in the cold as usual. She knew how Jack spent his evenings. More than once she and Penelope, taking a stroll in the moonlight, had paused by the inn to listen to that wonderful voice ringing across to them. It is very fine, but somehow I do not admire it, Penelope had said. It is a little too high and shrill. It is too operatic for my taste, remarked Mrs. Compton severely. Miss Ingram seems to me a very odd person. It would not surprise me in the least if we were to find out that she was an actress or a singer. Jack knows absolutely nothing about them, for I have questioned him more than once. They tell me nothing and I ask no questions, has been Jack's reply. But as he said this, it suddenly struck him how strangely little he knew about these friends of his. They scarcely ever alluded to their past life. When we were better off, Gwendolen had once said, and Moritz had spoken jestingly of their palmy days. Have you ever lived in London? Jack once asked. He had been telling them about his mother's flat. 
we have lived in many places moritz had answered carelessly i do not know if a wandering jew ever had a sister london oh yes we have lived there and we once had a hut on exmoor when two artistic souls are on the search for the picturesque and economy they put up with strange resting-places do you remember those lodgings at the white cottage in patterdale gwen and how you knocked your head against the ceiling and the old dame's unfeeling remark as to house was not built for giant folk to poke their heads through the whitewash don't moritz i can feel the bump now and gwendolen fingered her coil of brown hair jack had more than once admired her hair in colour it was like a ripe chestnut only with a sunny gleam in it once when they were blackberrying together and a bramble had caught her hat and dislodged some of the hairpins a long braid had untwisted that reached to her knees and the beauty and glory of it had taken jack's breath away he and gwendolen had soon become close friends but the day when he told her of his life trouble when he first understood what the magnetic sweetness of true womanly sympathy really meant was an epoch a crisis to be marked henceforth by a white stone things had gone badly with him that day and as usual he had strolled off to the tin shanty to forget his worries in the society of his friends gwendolen who was reading in the porch was struck by the heaviness of his aspect and he sat down beside her and she saw how tired and pale he looked such a wistful kind expression came into her eyes that jack felt a little thrill of emotion pass through him i wish you would tell me what has been worrying you mr compton she said so frankly with such evident understanding that her friend was in trouble that before many minutes had passed poor jack had blurted it all out he loved his mother dearly she was the dearest and the best mother in the world but somehow they could not understand each other it is though we spoke different languages went on jack with a touch of rugged eloquence nothing i can do seems to please her if i had been a clever chap like felix earl she could have been proud of me but how is she to be content with a slow stupid sort of fellow who cares for nothing but farming and horses i shall thank you mr compton to speak more civilly of my good friend a slow stupid sort of fellow indeed and here gwendolen's laugh was delicious to hear certainly at that moment gwen had got her beauty face it was so transfigured with the light of sympathy and warm womanly kindness and from that day she was never ugly in jack's eyes and how wisely and with what old-fashioned sweetness she talked to him though at first she a little bewildered him too for her first remark was an extraordinary one thou wilt scarce be a man before thy mother and as jack's dark eyes opened rather widely at this she said with a smile that was only an old quotation but it is very true don't you see how simple it all is mr compton one can never be as old as one's mother we cannot be on the same plane youth and age can never have the same aspect no of course not but miss ingram you know what an awful duffer i am i wish that you are not so clever and here jack's voice had a touch of pathos in it could you not put things more plainly my dear mr compton laughed gwendolen don't you know simplicity is the hardest thing in the world clever brains are not everything please remember that my favorite owen says character is higher than intellect and your mother has every right to be proud of you and as jack shook his head rather sadly she laid her hand gently on his arm and he could see there were tears in her eyes mr compton do try to bear with your mother she loves you so dearly even i can see that and you are her only comfort now god has taken away her husband don't you see how sad it is for her 
she has lived all the best part of her life and yours is to come but for her there are only loneliness and old age and the house of her long rest one can only have one mother and here gwendolen's lip trembled slightly try and make her happier you will never regret it and believe me that you will be happier too forgive me if i have spoken too plainly but i remember my own dear mother and the thought of how little i did for her comfort often presses heavily upon me now thank you observed jack in a choked voice no rather abruptly it is no use trying to thank you you have done more for me than even you can guess and as he said this there was a glow in jack's eye that made gwendolen flush and turn away as though she were suddenly dazzled for when a woman first sees the love-light kindle in a man's eyes and feels her heart beat with quick response it is though a new day had dawned for her on the earth and such a day had newly dawned for gwendolen and jack End of section 16